Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here for Equestrian Movement and today we're going to talk a little bit more on our compassionate leadership skills. So when we're talking about being the boss, pushing a horse through it, making them do it, uh, we often reference being the boss as being, having more strength, being powerful, you know, making our horse do it physically, um, and physically asserting ourselves to control the horse. So you don't need to be the boss. You don't need to show your horse that you are stronger than them because you definitely are not. You don't need to show your horse that you are more powerful than them because you definitely are not. You don't need to show your horse, um, you know, that you can physically manhandle them to get them to do what you want because most of the time you really can't. So it's not that you you don't have to be the boss, but you do have to be a good leader. And so that's where the difference is, is that it's not about your physical assertion onto the horse to, you know, physically control what they are doing through power and strength. It is in being somebody that they look to for direction, take direction from and look to for support when they're unsure of the answer or if they are uncomfortable or, you know, if they don't feel safe, those different kinds of things where we can recognize the tension that they are holding, why they're holding it and saying, hey, I I got you. Like, this isn't going to be that bad. I'm going to make sure that you're fine. We're just going to, you know, experiment a little bit. We're going to experience this together and it's not that bad. I promise. Um, so what we're looking at with our horses is we're looking at showing up as showing up as a leader worth following. And so this is quite challenging as horse riders because why would your horse seek you for direction? Why would they seek you to tell them what to do? Who do you have to be that your horse turns to you when They need that support when they feel unsafe, when they're uncomfortable with the ask, when they don't know what the answer is. You know, that who do you need to be for your horse to look to you at those moments? So it's a challenging time as a rider to go through this. So one of the things in particular that happens is that as a rider, um, you lack confidence in your ability and confidence in what you can do. And so you're waiting for your coach or your trainer, your eyes on the ground to tell you what to do. 
And so what ends up happening is that you end up constantly chasing your tail, fixing problems, um, rather than actually giving your horse direction. So by the time that your trainer or your coach tells you that you have to fix a problem, uh, you already have the problem. And so then we can quickly end up erring into negative reinforcement and punishment because we're reprimanding the horse for a mistake already made. We want to think ahead of ourselves so that we're giving our horse direction and telling them what's coming next so that they start looking to us and seeking direction from us and asking us what's next. So if we're thinking ahead of ourselves and we're saying, okay, now you're going to do this, 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 then you're going to, you know, have a horse knowing what is expected of it. We can still have issues at that point where the horse doesn't want to cooperate and doesn't want to take direction from us. But at the very least, if we are telling our horse what to do next rather than you know, reprimanding, controlling, or trying to fix what they've already done, then we're setting our horse up for success as the best way possible, is that telling them what to do rather than um, punishing them for what they've done gets the horse on your team and working with you so much better. And this is a challenge. It's a challenging time. Um, I see it in a lot of students going from beginner to, um, you know, intermediate experienced where they can start thinking independently and they are talking to the horse actively and working with the horse to tell, like, to work together towards what they're what they're doing and so if you're a rider that is on your horse and you're like I don't know what I'm doing I don't know why I'm doing it I don't know what to do next I've been going around this 20 meter circle for the last 10 years why am I still doing a 20 meter circle if you're stuck in that unknowing like not knowing why you're actually doing what you're doing in the saddle then your horse isn't going to be seeking you for direction and seeking you for support and leadership because they're not naive to you not knowing why you're going round and round in circles or why you're doing that training with your horse they're not naive to your own confusion And so sometimes as a rider, you legitimately don't have the skills to help the horse and support the horse through what you're asking of them. Uh, So another experience that I've had with another student is uh, taking their horse away from, well, this is something that happens with lots of students, is taking the horse away from their paddock where their herdmates are, where they feel safe, they are secure and they feel connected. And you're wanting to take them away from that and they don't have any emotional agility skills to manage that fear and that insecurity, you need to be their security blanket. You need to be their little support bubble that tells them that they're going to be a, they're going to be safe because they're with you when they leave um, you know the place that they're scared of. But what happens is we set our goals and we set our trajectory to places that um, are basically impossible for both us and our horses to reach. And this is why we need to have super adjustable goalposts. So if you're, you know, wanting to take your horse away from their paddock and their herd bound and they're stuck to their environment because they feel insecure and they don't see us as leaders worth following and you stretch their comfort zone and you push them out of where they feel safe and 
um, then they explode because they can't control themselves anymore because they're so scared. And then we get scared and then it turns into a hot mess. What we've done there is we've created a micro tear in our horse's trust and confidence in us. And so then they have less trust and confidence in us for the next time we ask things of them. This is inevitable, like we're always going to kind of stumble across certain things where we're like, oh, oops, I probably should have stopped a bit sooner or I should have, shouldn't have pushed it that far. As long as you're comfortable with circling back around, finishing on a positive note, feeling like you could have done more and repairing the relationship there, it isn't going to be excessively detrimental to the future. But it is important to recognize that your horse would have been giving you all of the cues in the body languages that should have told you to stop and make your goalposts, like reset your goalposts before they got to that point. And so this is a really important part of working with your horse is that if you ask something of them, you do need to be able to follow through on it. You do need to be able to say, this is what I'm asking you to do and get at least an effort towards that desired behavior. We can be flexible on what that effort looks like if we've asked, if our anticipation of the effort was way more than what our horse could give willingly, then we can reward for effort. Reward for effort, don't drill for perfection because then we're going to get, you know, our horse's understanding that we are praising effort, so they are going to give us effort. So if you do ask something of your horse, you do need to be able to follow through on it because what you release for, you reinforce. And so you can reinforce behaviors that you don't want quicker and easier a lot of the time, then you can reinforce the behaviors that you do want. Because all the horse has to do is show a big behavior that makes you scared, you release pressure, and then they get to do what they want to do, instead of doing what you wanted them to do, which is quite often requiring effort, um, you know, requiring emotional agility. It's requiring things of them that they, um, you know, require energy expenditure to give to us. So if you're going to follow through on your ask, you need to be making sure that you're asking things of your horse that you know that you can follow through on. And this becomes particularly challenging If we're trying to stretch our comfort zone, if we're trying to stretch our horse's comfort zone, if we're challenging ourselves, if we're challenging a horse, and we go to stretch, of of course, they're not going to do it perfectly for us, and we're not going to set them up perfectly when we haven't done it before. So it's important in those moments that we can circle back around to an exercise that we feel really confident and comfortable in doing so that we can finish on a positive note, feeling like we could have done more, rather than pushing our horse to do something that they don't feel safe in, they don't feel comfortable with, and we don't feel safe or comfortable. And so then we end up with the really big explosive behaviors that really damage the relationship and the trust and confidence that we have in each other. And it makes it hard to to kind of keep trying because we start to anticipate how badly things can go because of our experiences of how badly it went last time. Both us and our horses. Our horses don't want to get into this situation. They want to be feeling comfortable, safe, and calm. That's where they are happiest. And so when we're applying pressure, stress, and tension, like for the performances that we're asking of them, which is just basically to carry us, you know, working, riding, training is performance. It's energy expenditure. 
We need to be paying attention to the level of tension that is building because we want to keep their energy down regulated. We don't want them, their nervous system to get down, we want to keep their nervous system down regulated. We want to keep their energy down regulated. We don't want them so elevated in their nervous tension that they can't control their behavior anymore, that they're so, you know, scared, overwhelmed, anxious, um, frustrated, whatever it is, that they can't control what their behavior is anymore. And so then that's when we end up with those explosive behaviors. So who do you need to be for your horse to seek direction from you? You need to be doing things with them that you can confidently ask of them and follow through on. You need to be creating situations, setting them up for success so that their experience is positive and enjoyable. And so what that means is that sometimes we have to put our goals a little bit to the side to break down our shaping plan effectively so that we can get, we can stack out our wins. We don't want to be stacking our negative experiences because that's when we're going to get to the point where you won't ride because it's windy, you can't leave the paddock because your horse turns into a hot mess, Um, you know, there's so many reasons for you to not ride because you just know how badly it's going to go. We want to stack our wins. So if your win is your horse approaching you in the paddock without you asking it of them, great success. Like, that's fine. You don't need to achieve any more than that. And so when you're, when you're building out your shaping plan, like your goal might be to ride a canner, but if you're going into the paddock and your horse is running away from you, then they don't see you as a leader worth following. They don't see you as somebody that they're going to take direction from or seek for direction. And so Of course, we're going to end up in situations where if we're trying to push that performance out of them, we're going to end up with pressure. And so we are going to end up with big behaviors. So what you really want to think about is how you're going to keep giving your horse direction. And and it has to be so consistent, which is why we want to be doing in our half halts in the saddle. Like the schoolies, I think, to be confident in their rider need a half halt, a cycling of the energy every three to seven strides, I would say. Three is probably excessive, like we're really kind of correcting tempo at that point. But every seven strides, it's like, yep, this is the energy that we want, keep going. Yep, this is the energy that we want, keep going. Yep, this is the energy that we want, keep going. One of my tricks that I use when I'm working with an anxious horse and I'm in the saddle is to put them into turns. Go left, go right, go left, go right, go left, go right, go left, go right. You give them direction. They don't have to think. They don't have to figure out what's expected of them. It's amazing how much confidence the horse gets from us just giving them direction. And so this is what I say to my students. This is how I explain it to them, Uh, particularly the kids. So for the kids, I'll say, how do you know what I want you to do? And they'll say, because you tell me. And so then I say, well, then how does your horse know what to do? And they're like, uh, (laughs) and it's because you have to tell them what to do. 
And so this is the really big difference between just sitting on your horse and passengering and expecting them to make choices and decisions for themselves and expecting them to lead. There are some horses that do it, but they are very special horses and they are far and few between. And then when we want more from them, they do really say no because they say, no, I am looking after you. You can't ask more of me if I have to also look after you. The amount of confidence that our horses get just from us telling them what to do is huge. Just allowing them to relax and not have to think and not have to make choices and decisions and just knowing what's expected of them, focusing their brain into their job and saying, yep, that was perfect. Yep, that was perfect. Yep, that was perfect. Stack our wins, stack our yeses. And finish on a positive note, feeling like you could have done more is part of showing up as a compassionate leader that allows us to build a relationship with our horse where we feel comfortable giving our horse direction and our horse feels comfortable asking direction from us and taking direction from us and seeking direction from us. They are different things. So does your horse take direction well? Some horses don't like being told what to do. So then we have to go through our emotional agility exercises and kind of unpack what it would look like for our horses to be motivated to take our cues and take direction from us. And then when they're comfortable taking direction from us, are they seeking direction from us? On the ground, it's quite easy to eventually, (laughs) depending on how educated you and your horse are at, to achieve where they follow you because, um, you know, you're on the ground. They can physically follow you. They can follow your lead. When we're in the saddle, we're in a driving position. So how does our horse take the lead and take direction? (laughs) It's quite challenging. And so that's why... As part of our confident trailblazer training, our, um, you know, progression on from our holistic horse handling, you have to do your in-hand work. Does your horse feel confident to seek direction from the bit pressure when you are in a driving position? And then we're also going to sit on their back. So they have to then also carry us. So is your horse confident and comfortable carrying your weight, balancing themselves underneath you and balancing you? And then are they seeking direction? So do they have trust and confidence in your hands? That is a whole other loaded topic in itself, is encouraging our horses to seek our hands for direction by having hands that they have trust and confidence in. And what we have to do at this point is we have to be really comfortable with understanding that bit pressure does not control our horse. Yes, it communicates, but if you're getting to the point of you're trying to use the bit to control your horse, then you are no longer in control of your horse. It's the same as what we're looking at with our horse. If your horse has got to the point where it's responding behaviorally, Its emotions are already so dysregulated that the horse is just out of control. Physically controlling them won't control them. You might be able to shut them down and get them to become internalized and a little bit non-responsive if they're, you know, that inclined, their temperament is inclined to go that way. But it's not true willingness and relaxation. So I do think that our compassionate leadership skills are a big loaded topic, uh, which is why we keep talking about them. 
And I don't think that we can ever say, yep, done it. I am now a compassionate leader because we're always learning new ways of how we can show up better for our horse, how we can do a better job of giving our horse direction, how our horse can take direction and seek us for direction. And then that's when we're going to start working together as a team. So you need to get comfortable and confident um, with your horse taking direction from you, seeking you for direction and you giving direction to your horse in a safe environment where you can both be relaxed before you start stretching and challenging yourself and your horse. If you're ready to start changing your environment, then you need to make sure that you're comfortable giving your horse direction and your horse is comfortable taking direction from you. Then just to add to that, we want to treat this like a science experiment where we're only changing one variable at a time, which is why we need a really well thought through shaping plan so that we know where our progression steps are so that we're not like skipping a bunch of situations that have the potential for our, for everything to go sideways. So an example of this was one of my students wanted to or, or recognize that their horse got super flighty and wanted to run home when they got to the bottom of the paddock but they actually first saw the resistance when they were going through the gate to get to the bottom of the paddock. And so rather than making our goalposts the bottom of the paddock, we want to make the goalposts at the gate there. We could even make the goalposts like less than that if we wanted to focus on how we were going to support our horse through the gate, but she already had the skills for how she was going to support the horse to do it. It was just like giving her permission to make those goalposts lower. Like, it's okay to work on something small until it is incredibly positive and successful before you you work on the next step. You don't want, you know, breakdown on breakdown on breakdown to happen. You want positive win on positive win on positive win to happen. And so if that means that initially the steps you take are very, very, very small and feel like you're doing absolutely nothing, that's fine. Because what it's doing is it's setting your horse up for success. It's creating a positive experience. And so that allows for them to seek direction from you because they're enjoying the process. If we make them super stressed and overwhelmed and anxious and shut down, they're not going to seek us for direction because we're the one that's putting them into that situation. So why would they ask us for support if we're the one pressuring them into their really stressful experiences and environments? So treat each training session like a science experiment only change one variable at a time. If it's gone wrong between that change of variable, then you've probably made the variable too big. Make the variable smaller. You know, when we were working on that, the horse going through the gate, the variable was through the gate. It's only a handful more steps. And she was super chuffed with herself on the other side because she did it and she did it with her emotional agility skills without frustration or fear or anxiety and so the owner was able to set her up so that she felt supported and so that is when that horse is going to start seeking direction and that is when you're going to start showing up as a leader for that horse so only change one variable at a time and don't be scared of making that a variable so small 
that you are the only one that notices that that was a win because it's those wins that build our relationship, that builds the horse's trust and confidence in us. It builds our trust and confidence in ourselves and in our horse. And then that's when we start to get towards our big wins is when we have trust and confidence in ourselves and our horse and our horse has trust and confidence in us and themselves. We're creating these little environmental stresses that both of us are overcoming together to feel immensely successful and like it's the best win ever rather than building on frustration of not meeting that goal that we've set ourselves or for our horse and therefore consistently overfacing ourselves and our horse and breaking that trust and confidence in ourselves and in us as a team and our horse in us. We would love to know what your big audacious goal is that you are working towards, um, that you need to set out these variables towards, your shaping plan towards. Jump over to our Stronger Bond community and share it with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Until next time, happy trails. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, Building a Connection with Your Horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.